Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Brilliance Security Podcast. Hello, my name is Steve Bocut, and I am an editor for Brilliance Security Magazine. Brilliance is an online digital publication dedicated to the security industry. Our mission, and thus our name, is to illuminate the intersection of physical and cybersecurity. We cover both of these security domains by publishing original content about threats, hacks, products, and security strategies. We hope you will enjoy this podcast and visit us at brilliancesecuritymagazine.com. Welcome to the Brilliance Security Magazine podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your listening. We have a very exciting show put together for you today. We're going to be talking with Adam Kujawa, Director of Malwarebytes Labs. We'll be discussing Malwarebytes' brand new report, Enduring from Home, COVID-19's Impact on Business Security. Malwarebytes released this report just today, Thursday, August 20th. So in a perfect world, you'll be listening to this podcast within a few days of that date. Adam is a computer scientist with more than 16 years of experience in reverse engineering and malware analysis. He has worked at a number of United States federal and defense agencies, helping these organizations reverse engineer malware and develop defense and mitigation techniques. Adam has also previously taught malware analysis and reverse engineering to personnel in both the government and private sectors. Welcome, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right. This is exciting. I'm excited about this. I took a look at the report <laughs> this morning. Um, it, it's, a, it's a great report. It's a lot of relevant details, and it's easy to read and aesthetically pleasing. It's a great-looking report. So It does look really good, yeah. It does. It turned out real well. So, <laughs> so kudos to whoever does that in your organization because it looks great. Uh, I'm excited for our readers to, to learn about it and to take a look at it. So before we get into the report itself, maybe you could take just a couple of minutes and tell us more about Malwarebytes. I'm sure most people recognize the name. They know essentially who you are, but maybe you can just tell us a little bit about the company, the history, core competencies, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. So Malwarebytes itself uh, was founded in 2008, but it's been around. It, the story kind of started in 2004. When our CEO, Marcin, uh, ended up getting infected with some sort of malware, some virus at the time, uh, oh. and had a hard time getting rid of it. None of the tools that he had or, or uh, applications that he could use would get rid of the malware. So he had to go and start talking to, to uh, you know, computer security experts on forums. Uh, Castle Cops was one of the forums that he went to a lot. And in fact, the relationships that he would form and the people that he met while doing that, trying to remove that one piece of malware from his parents' computer, uh, would lead to the forming of Malwarebytes. And eventually he would work with some of those people to build the first versions of Malwarebytes anti-malware. Um, and in fact, like our, our head of research and one of our previous VPs of research were, were two of the co-founders. Um, Wow, and had been that's with the interesting. Many years. Yeah. Who'd have, who'd have thought? All right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we started out as a consumer anti-malware product, but over the last five to six years, we've really been heavily investing in uh, helping our corporate users. And we've been really kind of pivoting toward that. We still do have our consumer anti-malware products, which we will continue to, you know, give out for that that free trial that everybody likes to use to remove stuff occasionally. Um, but on our corporate side, we've really doubled down on being able to, uh, you know, meet the needs of folks who want to use like, for instance, a, a remote control 
uh, interface to control all you know protected endpoints on their network. Uh, we have cloud-based solutions. In fact, most of our solutions are cloud-based these days. We're really heavily heading in that direction. Um, and we've also really branched out to different operating systems. We have not just Windows, but we have Linux, we have Android, iOS, uh, versions of anti uh, Myrobytes anti-malware. And we've also got a Linux version that uh, that's rolling out pretty soon here. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. Very cool. So now you're the director of Malwarebytes Lab. So I'm gathering from the name that that's like a research arm for Malwarebytes or how does that all fit together? Yeah, yeah. I actually started when the company was just 50 people um, back in 2012. And from there, uh, I was reverse engineering malware for them, writing some blog posts. And we kind of grew out from there uh, of just doing blogs to doing white papers to doing videos to talking to folks like you, you know, to, to just trying to spread the word and be kind of the, um, the understanding research arm of Malwarebytes. We have actually a separate uh, research group who are devoted to looking at files every single day, you know, tearing things apart, understanding how they work and making sure our product stops them. So we, we do um, have a lot of like automated machine learning capabilities these days where we use behavioral approaches to detecting malware. And most pretty much everybody is. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, we still need to use that kind of human uh, intelligence and ingenuity and creativity to uh, to target some of these these files even better than we could before. Also, automated detection of stuff is really bad for telemetry, in my opinion, as someone who likes to look at numbers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So before we uh, let let's dive into the report a little bit. So um, maybe you could tell us some of the preliminary stuff, like like the methodology used, the sample size, and and maybe more importantly, why is the report why does malware bytes feel like the report like this is needed in our industry right now? Mm -hmm. What's, what is it telling us that we didn't know? Uh, well, you know, reports like this, they definitely stand out in my opinion um, from in, in our industry because they look at the human response. They ask, they're asking human questions and expecting uh, to kind of look at trends and understand the world from the viewpoint of directors, IT admin, things like that, rather than, you know, security researchers looking at numbers, like I said right. before. Um, so we, we tried our best. Uh, we did. We, we gathered about 200 different respondents. They're all either directors or uh, managers or high levels uh, or C-level executives, all working in the IT and security space, um, or at least in the aspect of that for their company. And we wanted to try to get a sample of every business size we could. So we've got about five different business sizes that we were able to uh, suss out from all the different results that we got. So we got a very broad um, understanding of it. We're not just talking about the people who deal with threats to a 5,000 plus employee enterprise. We're talking to the people who even deal with, you know, uh, one threat a quarter, maybe with their, you know, four person business. So it's, you know, kind of everything we can there as best as possible. Is that, is it something that Malwarebytes Labs does? I mean, is it annually, semi-annually, quarterly, or just as needed when, when you feel like there's a need for a report? How often do you come up with these reports? It's, I mean, we have, we have quarterly reports, but something like this, uh, we only do every few years. 
Um, so most of our reports are, hey, this is what's going on with this malware family. This is what's happening, you know, with this trend or this industry or whatever. And we look at the threats and, and the focus uh, that these threats have and their tactics and techniques. Um, but this kind of steps outside of that. This is steps away from the, all right, let's get away from, from the technical aspect. Let's get away from just bad guy versus good guy. How are real people dealing with this kind of stuff? What are they experiencing? And maybe this would give some ideas or some relief to those who are out there struggling to adapt to this new environment and and thinking they're alone or they're failing at it or something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, one of the things that I appreciated the most about the report is it brings a lot of clarity to things that most of us, at least those of us who are exposed to security um, issues all the time, it brought some clarity to things that intuitively we assumed were going on um, and you know, gave some insight to what we mm -hmm. kind of had guessed was was happening. So. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the report's more interesting or surprising findings. We'll be right back. Welcome back. All right, Adam, maybe you could point out for us some of the more interesting or surprising findings that can be found um, in this new report. So uh, we found a lot of interesting things, uh, that's for sure. One thing that I'd like to point out is um, it's kind of a phenomenon I like to call security, security hubris. Okay. And that, that basically refers to the sense that, that because I have, you know, X, Y, Z protection, let's say I've, I've invested heavily in a border, uh, you know, security protection. So I've got the best firewalls. I've got all of my, my web servers or my border uh, systems locked down and patched and everything else. Nobody's getting through this border. Therefore, I don't need to worry about patching internal systems. I don't have to worry about deploying, you know, endpoint protection because my border is so good. Sure. Um, that that's kind of just basically uh, breaks down to the idea that someone is more secure than they actually are. And we saw that a lot in our in our uh, survey findings because kind of bigger questions like how well do you think like overall how well do you think your uh, organization is dealing with with work from home or are they secure? Uh, when people are working from home and we get like uh, 50% over like 56% of our respondents said that their, their organization was at an eight, or eight to 10 or eight or above out of 10 on, on how well they were dealing with security in this work from home thing. And then we go and ask them questions about, okay, well, what specifically are you doing? You know, are you deploying antivirus uh, to all endpoints? Are you uh, promoting education? Are you making sure that your employees have access to VPNs? Are they, are they, do they have access to actual secure systems to work on? And that's when things get a little murky. That's when we see lower percentages. We see, you know, less, uh, you know, admittance, I guess, of, of actually doing these things. And, and that definitely drives kind of a, makes us wonder, you know, all right, well, well, how secure are you guys? And, and this isn't just a new thing either. I mean, we did a survey report a few years ago that kind of talked about a similar thing where, you know, we'd say, uh, how, how secure do you think you are on online right now? Just like a, a consumer, how secure do you think you are? And they'd say, uh, oh yeah, I'm totally secure. I won't click on things. I won't download stuff. I'm totally fine. And we ask them, well, how often have you had a cyber attack in the last, you know, X months? And then they, oh yeah, this, this, and that, that happened, yeah. you know? Oh, okay. So I guess you weren't that secure after all. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, so, and that's, that's fascinating to me because that was kind of my perception is that, well, we all know, I think that there has been in the industry for years, this false sense of security. A lot of companies, they think they're more secure than they actually are. And that's part of the problem because if you don't realize there's a problem, 
you're not out, you're not going to spend any resources to fix it. So people were just kind of sticking their heads in the sand and, and thinking they were more secure than they were. But when we all shifted to this work from home environment, I mean, I really had a sense that most companies or many, many companies just kind of crossed their fingers and said, all right, you know, let's just hope for the best, hope that nothing bad happens and that we can start to, to fill in the security. It, it, it wasn't, rolled out in a secure manner, but maybe we can come back and patch things and, and shore things up later. Um, yeah. Is that what the report reflects that they're, are they currently trying to shore things up or did you get any yeah. sense of that? Yeah, well, we, we did, we asked, um, we asked folks, you know, what were they most concerned about uh, in the working from home aspect? Uh, yeah. And a lot of them said, we're worried about people not having the right education, not having the right tools, being susceptible to certain types of attacks. Um, and so, you know, while we ask a lot of what did you do, this question, in my opinion, can be used to figure out what are you going to do? And you uh -huh. can see that people are most concerned about these problems. And those are likely the ones they're going to address first. They're not going to, you know, they're going to try to improve on. Um, and I think that in, you know, combination of all these great tools that we have that a lot of folks are using that we saw uh, a pretty big percentage of people um, of employees using like Zoom, like like uh, Skype sure. or, or, or uh, yeah you know, any of these communication tools or remote work tools. Uh, I think we saw like 27% of people said they use VPNs or something um, more than they used to. So we're, we're kind of seeing as everyone becomes more comfortable with this environment and adopts these tools and, and maybe even, uh, you know, does security checks to make sure they're good tools to use, not just, oh, this is going to work for right now. Right. Uh, we're kind of seeing an overall increase in the security of everybody, uh, which is why, and we actually talk about this in the report, we actually have a section where we say, okay, well, what actually is happening with the bad guys? What is cybercrime? What's going on in cybercrime? And we talk a little bit about how we've seen an increase or we saw an increase in older malware families, ones that were meant for information gathering, for spying, for determining new methods of entry into these corporate networks that used to be very easily accessible when you had employees in the office all day working from their, their systems, but now they're all working from home. And you think, all right, well, that takes away an opportunity for the bad guys. But by going this route, and we saw lots of different COVID-19 themed scams, phishing campaigns, sure. things, yeah, spreading these threats that, like I said, were old pieces of malware. And, um, but the whole goal of them was to say, what programs are people running? What vulnerabilities are on their system? What uh, avenues do we have to potentially access these corporate resources from the, the remote employees? Um, so we don't see a lot of those families anymore. I mean, they're still out there, but we started seeing a kind of jump back by cyber criminals to using more sophisticated threats like Emotet, which came back a few weeks ago, uh, TrickBot, you know, things that we've seen before that are once again going after corporate networks that are utilizing maybe some new functionality that they found. But regardless, the, the old trick of just using old malware, trying to infect whoever you can to get a sense of what's going on seems to not be as effective anymore for the criminals um, likely you know because we've seen such an increase in the awareness and uh and security over the over the months of people working from home and becoming more accustomed to what threats are out there oh that's interesting because I, I know there was a lot there were several reports that came out and there was news about when we first moved to this work from home environment and i think your report actually mentions this that many many people were just using their personal devices, right? Because that's yeah. already set up on my home network. I know how to use it. I know how to make it work. By the time I drag my desktop from work and get it hooked up and, you know, so 
that may be reflective of what you're just talking about. So enough time has passed now that we actually have secure devices in the homes and or we've patched and fixed up or upgraded whatever we yeah. needed to for using I mean, our, our home devices. Yeah, look at Zoom. Zoom itself is a great example because there was all that Zoom bombing stuff when it's, when we all yeah. started working from home initially. Zoom didn't have the security it has now. And so we saw Zoom bombing. We saw people just accessing random meetings by just you know putting in some random characters into the meeting invite ID or the meeting ID. And, uh, and now that is less of a problem. Um, but it's, it's exactly what I'm talking about. And you're right uh, about the, the working for, or using your own personal devices. We actually had 31% of our respondents say that they use their work devices, their personal devices for work. Um, 27% said that they would use their personal devices more than the device provided by the workplace. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty terrifying. And, and, um, not just because, all right, it's your home device. Uh, maybe it's, it's not secured. Maybe it's, uh, it could infect something when you're remote. It doesn't matter as much. Uh, obviously if you're going to like actually remote into another system and have the ability to transfer files, or if you were infected with something actually, you know, uh, infect one of these remote systems, it's, it's less likely with the VPNs use with things like box with, with other cloud-based services that don't require any direct access by an employee to a remote system in order to modify what's on it. Um, but, but the concern is that these people do get infected, their organization can't do anything to help them. What can be stolen are login passwords, you know, hijack sessions, uh, things like that, which could be used for information gathering, um, you know, and, and trying to, like I said before, gain access to those corporate resources. Uh, so I think that, that it's a very dangerous uh, route to go if, if you're an employee and suddenly saying, all right, I'm using my home personal laptop, which I do everything on uh, for work. But on the flip side, you know, um, how many of these organizations have actually gone uh, the distance to empower their employees? You know, if I, if the only way I can get access to the company resource to do my work is, you know, a 20 minute, you know, VPN uh, joining connection and authentication route, um, then, then maybe I won't be as excited to do, you know, I work on that system, or maybe I won't be as inclined to do that. Uh, I had a problem a couple of weeks ago, actually, this is, this is a personal story of what happened at my company. Uh, but my laptop suddenly, my work laptop, it did a Windows 10 update, and suddenly my Wi-Fi wasn't working. Oh, maybe other people encountered that uh, a few weeks ago. But yeah, I couldn't connect to my home Wi-Fi at all. All my other devices in my house were. Um, and so I called up IT. I said, hey, what's going on here? They said, hey, this is a problem we know about. Let me send you, you know, this quick fix. They sent me a zip with a couple of executables to run some scripts. Just refreshed my DNS, refreshed my IP settings, and then the thing worked again. Um, and because our company has already been having, I've been working remote, uh, for the eight years that I've been at Malwarebytes, I've worked remote six of those years. Okay. And so we've already had these kind of uh, policies rolled out and these, these capabilities. A lot of our uh, resources are cloud-based. All of our IT teams are, are located throughout the world and are also easily accessible to the cloud and things like that. So it's, it's because we have these redundancies and because we have these, these policies already in place that we were able to respond to the whole work from home thing very easily. Um, right. But, you know, we still dealt with challenges and, and so sure. do all people. So yeah. if you can't protect your employees or you or your employees can't get the, the work done they needed to do, because if that if my IT team couldn't help me out, what was I going to do? You know, I was either going to do my work on my personal computer 
or I just wasn't going to do work because I just, I couldn't use it at all. Yeah. Um, and I think even before the work from home shift, I think we were starting to see industry kind of set aside those draconian rules saying, no, you're only going to use this equipment on our network. And they were trying to empower their employees because they found the productivity goes down. If you don't let the employees use the devices that they need to use or know how to use or can have access to, then productivity goes down. So you need to just find a way to protect those devices. So, mm-hmm. well, listen, as we, as we kind of wrap up here, is there, is there anything else that you think our listeners need to know about malware bytes? Any questions that I should have asked that I failed to, or things <laughs> that you think our audience should know? Uh, I think I think we, we covered the report uh, really well. There's lots of really great info in there, and I highly recommend checking it out to getting some sense of how the rest of the world feels about working from home uh, and the difficulties of it. Uh, we at Malwarebytes are very committed to uh, spreading knowledge and, and trying to empower not just our employees, but our customers and even our non-customers. Anybody, everybody should learn about malware. Everyone should learn about cyber threats as they're everywhere and they're not going away. Um, and to that point, I, I would like to plug our, our blog, uh, our YouTube channel. We both, we do do a lot of videos, educational stuff, uh, news segments, you know, about the new stuff going on. And our blog covers everything from, you know, basic, uh, simple security te- tips to, you know, highly technical, uh, deep dive reverse engineer reports into some of the biggest malware right now. So, uh, awesome. I would highly like to. Okay. Awesome. That. And malwarebytes.com, is that where we're going to go to find the report? Where do we, where do we find it? Yes, sir. You can find the report on malwarebytes.com or go ahead and download it and try us. All right. <laughs> All right, Adam. So thank you so much again for spending some time with us today. I've really enjoyed this. I think this was a fascinating conversation and a big thanks to our listeners for being with us today. Please remember to like and subscribe if you found this podcast interesting and join us next time for another episode of Brilliance Security Magazine podcast.